Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> Everything's baby food if a baby eats it. <laughs> right? No. <laughs> no? Babies can't eat anything? I never said I could. This is why I don't have a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> They're fine. Whatever. <laughs> Come on. Fast forward 12 years from now and Nikki has a crunch wrap in the closet that has a demon inside of it. We're talking about Annabelle creation. <laughs> <laughs> that segue. I was like, for the baby? <laughs> I've been saving this for you for 12 years. Take a bite, sweaty. (laughs) Hope you like beans. (laughs) I just, I just, my baby's getting a crunch wrap. (laughs) Speaking of crunch wrap, this movie doesn't have any in it. No. (laughs) What a bummer. Uh, It probably Uh, would have been improved with a crunch wrap. Then again, Anything would have ambiguously fifties, so I don't know about the status of Taco Bell. Then I'll look it up. Probably didn't exist. <laughs> Poor people in the fifties; they don't even understand what joy is. Then they do have really good shoes, though. Yeah, but what's at what what's cost? The point? Yeah, where do you wear them if you can't go to Taco Bell? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I'm painting a picture of myself that I don't know if I want people to see. <laughs> um, I'm not this horrible. I know a baby can't eat a cruncher. Just to make it clear. I know babies can't eat that. What do I know babies can eat? I don't know. But I know it's not a crunch. <laughs> <laughs> I know what's on the list of no. I'm not so sure like, it's on the yes list. Can a baby list. just fresh out the womb eat like baby food? No. <laughs> <laughs> they nurse right out of the womb. How long? Uh, when if- can a baby chomp on some peas? I don't actually remember when you can start introducing solid foods, but you can actually breastfeed for like a while and so like, some people do like um i've heard that people breastfeed for like a yeah. long time mm-hmm. like two years i then. guess i'm just curious when a child is like the solids now please like, when they start like pounding their fist yeah. on the table and saying taco bell taco bell <laughs> carrot carrot <laughs> like crunch wrap <laughs> that was me as a baby yeah. i was like get me the tacos now <laughs> i was a little demon you know how, uh, speaking of D, I'm sorry, this is just, we'll get to it. Everyone yeah. shut up. The movie's not that good. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, Spoiler. <laughs> they'll figure it out. Yeah. You know how, you know that cliche thing that kids used to lay on the ground and pound their yes. feet and their fists? You did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I used to lay on the ground and just go, <laughs> and I used to just scream. Um, yeah. I was uh, the quiet conniving one, mm. as my parents told you. Yes, I've heard. I mean, I was an only child, so who was I going to scream to besides my poor mother? It's oh, Patty. Patty. <laughs> my mom's got so many nicknames. Yes. <laughs> her name's not Patty, but I guess we'll keep it for her, her secrecy. Her alias. Her alias is Patty. <laughs> what else do they used to call her? So many things. Whatever. We're talking about... Annabelle creation. Annabelle creation. Um, okay. Okay. I've got facts. Are you ready? Yeah. My facts aren't, I mean, again, because we're doing Conjuring Month, a lot of the facts are overlapping, so I didn't take, like, extensive. That's fine. 
Um, so the movie, it was directed by David F. Uh, Sandberg, mm-hmm. uh, Swedish director. So this is a different director than, you know, we had uh, before. We we're really changed him up. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we do have the same writer. Which is, yeah. <laughs> which is Gary Doberman. Um, oh, and that director, the uh, Sandberg, he also made Shazam. No. Yes. And Lights Out. Mm. Uh, he also made the short for Lights Out. Like, we'll talk about this later. Yeah, we but will. If you've seen the short for Lights Out, very good. If you've seen the movie for Lights Out, shit. If you have seen the movie and not the short, I please, go watch the short and then forget about the movie. Like, I just, the short's very good, but, like, they based it on this, I don't know, whatever, this movie's terrible. Um, it was produced by James Wan. Hmm. So... Let me, this is the part that I was talking about with Kate, and I was oh, like, this no. part's going to make you a little angry. Well. Um, so James Wan, and there was another producer, I, I didn't write their name down, but James Wan was one of them, and um, they saw test shots and screens, screenings, like pre-screenings, not of the whole movie, but of like a lot of it, of Lights Out, and that's what made them choose this director. Are you fucking kidding me? Y- yeah, so that's what, basically they like knew that he was working on it, so he did this like, either at the same time, right before or right after. It was like right around because they saw shots of it. And they were very impressed and they were like, oh, well, please. And he um, wasn't interested because he didn't want to make like a regular big budget like horror movie like the other ones. Like he was like, I just don't have interest in that. But then they were like, no, it's supposed to be um, like a prequel. It's its own thing. It's a standalone movie that like won't lead into other ones because it's a prequel mm-hmm. so like it's its own thing yeah and then he was like oh, okay because he had more freedom so that's what he wanted to do <laughs> um so he did uh, one of the few good things that this person did is they actually changed annabelle did you i don't know if you noticed but the doll he changed her face because he was like that doll is not believable as a toy <laughs> Yeah, it felt different, but Mm -hmm. I was like, well, maybe she's just in better shape because she's new. No, he purposefully went in and, like, softened her face to make Um, it more, like, childlike, and the cheeks were, like, um, just softer, so that way she was, like, more believable, Um, and he specifically wanted this movie to feel more like the original Conjuring, Mm. so he, like, pulled from, like, the scares and the way that they did that one to make this one, so we'll get to it. Sorry, I burped. Um, so we'll get to it, but I know why this director kind of sucks, which is a bummer because I did actually like enjoy the way this movie was made compared to the other one, but it's got some qualms <laughs> that we'll get to. Yeah. My qualms are with the plot, not with the cinematography. So right. Like, and oh shit. Oh. <laughs> cowboy down. This cowboy pen is so hard to hold on to. <laughs> um, I got to go to my cowboy corner. Um, Noodle. Oh, wait, he's doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. Noodle was not scratching the couch. Good boy, Noodle. Uh, but let's get to the other facts before we get into the director, because the cinematography actually was by a different person than it was last time or previously. I'm just going to let you finish, Noodle. I'm just going to let you do your thing. Hey, bud. Hey, dude. Okay. He's just getting comfy. So the cinematography was actually Maxime Alexander. Alexander or Alexandre. Yeah. Either way. Um, we had a new one, but guess what else she did? Bly Manor. A lot of Bly Manors. Bly Manor. Because the last person uh, that did the cinematography, I believe somebody from the last movie also worked on Bly Manor. Very popular movie, but 
Guess what the through line is for most... Guess what movie is the one that they all kind of worked on? Lights Out? No. Uh, oh, Shazam? It's Shazam! <laughs> so most of the team from this specific movie all did Shazam together. That's incredible. So she also did the cinematography for Shazam, Blind Manor, and a movie called Crawl, which I've heard of, but I've not seen. Um, but that was, you know, that's what we got. The music was by Benjamin Wallfish, which we've talked about before. I don't know if you remember. Um, so he did the mu- uh, the music for Blade Runner 2049. Shazam. <laughs> and then It, It Chapter 2. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So I knew the name was familiar. And as soon as I looked it up, I was like, oh, yes, okay. And also Invisible Man, Hidden Figures, Cure for Wellness, mm. which I've not seen those. I've seen Invisible Man, but I've not seen the other two. Um I've seen Shazam. <laughs> you have not? But, well, I mean, let me tell you, two different movies. <laughs> Would not have guessed that they all worked on Shazam together. Uh, okay. And then the budget for this movie. Do you know it? Fifteen, Fifteen million. Okay. Okay. So the, the first one, what, what was it? Six, I think? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 6.5 million was the first, like, original Annabelle movie. Okay. Uh, and it made... 250 or yeah 257.6 million Mm -hmm. this one 15 million was the budget so we got a little bit of a bigger budget still way smaller than like uh conjuring 2 yeah but this one made you want to guess 150 million not bad it was 306.5 million literally double plus well you know last one time you said a billion so yeah well (laughs) i think i said two billion so right no i but yeah, so this one, I mean, we've talked about it. It was more successful than the first one. Which is interesting because I thought that people would like, I assumed that after such a panned movie, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have the trust of the audience. But I guess that the brand is strong enough. I, yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like it's one of those that people are like, and I'm sure that marketing had a lot to do with it. They probably, once people found out it was a prequel, were like, hell yeah, I gotta know, you know? So... And it kind of, for the shitty things that this movie has, it was still more entertaining to watch than Annabelle. Mm. Like, it had things in it and scares that yeah. did actually remind me. So, like, even though this director is a shitty guy, I he did what he wanted to do. Because yeah. the scares felt more like the original Conjuring yes. than any of the other ones. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, that's kind of what <laughs> they've got going for it. Which, I took notes. We'll talk about it later. But... First, are you ready? I've got it. I'm so ready. Okay. Shit, I already forgot it. <laughs> I was like, is it like Child's Play and Rosemary's Baby? It's not. <laughs> um, okay. Parents sell their, make a deal with the devil to get their daughter back, mm-hmm. but instead they get a demon. Well, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the gist. Yeah. I left out some important parts. You skipped like, the first hour of the movie and jumped straight to like the last bit, but that's ah. a good summary. Who needs the beginning when you can just have mm. the end? Indeed. <laughs> that's what I always say. <laughs> Famously. Famously, yes. That is all I say. Uh-huh. Uh, that means it's time. And it's a doozy, I think, right? And you're not going to let me do a summary? <gasps> oh, I'm so sorry. I just, I did such a good job that I didn't think there was a point. <laughs> Yeah, okay, maybe I'll just skip it. It's not. No, do it. I want to know. I want to know. I knew you were going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I felt it in my bones. You know that I'm weak. (laughs) You know that I can't not. I want to know. Can you show me? (laughs) 
We left our this was <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Uh, so former toy maker Sam Mullins and his wife Esther are happy to welcome a nun and six orphan girls into their California farmhouse. Years earlier, the couple's t- nope, the couple's seven-year-old daughter Annabelle died in a tragic car accident. Terror soon strikes when one child sneaks into a forbidden room and finds a seemingly innocent doll that appears to have a life of its own. I wouldn't say they were happy to have the orphans. They literally never smiled. <laughs> the mother is fucking thrilled to have those Are kids sure? in the house. Yeah, because she keeps like saying like, at one point Sam is like, Esther, you know, I think it's back. I think yeah. this is bad. And she's like, it's so good to hear life in this house. Like, oh, listen to the girls. Are. Like, Esther is in the bed, not leaving half of her face gone. But she's just, just like, I love hearing them laugh and run up the stairs. Sweet phantom of the opera mother. Yes. Is yes. Very excited. Yeah. Okay, okay. Maybe I just missed that part. Okay. Because at first I was just like, they don't seem like they care at all. But also their daughters have died. I get it. Okay. Now it's actually yes. time. Uh, so I took a big old detour last week because there were bigger priorities for Nerd Corner. This yeah. week, I'm going to take us back to why we watch horror films. Yeah. And the thing that I was talking to you before we record, that's in my qualms section. Oh, yes. okay. So Nerd Corner is about theories and psychology. Okay, okay. With all the necessary caveats on psych studies. But don't worry, we'll get to those qualms. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to them. <laughs> but first. But first. A nice little, little break. Yeah, just like a fun little nerdy nerd corner. In so first we have a theory by Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's spelled J-U-N-G. And that's how I learned to say it. But if I'm wrong, tell me. Yeah. Uh, he was a psychologist born in like 1875 or some shit. Mm. And was originally part of like Freud's camp of like psychoanalysis yeah. but they split and formed two distinct principles of psychology like the schools of thought in psychology right. young led the school of analytics and freud led the psychoanalytic school of thought mm-hmm. the biggest difference between their foundational theory is what forms our subconscious mm-hmm. so like young pictured like this two-tier of like your subconscious and freud was basically like everything about your subconscious is based on what happens in childhood and Jung was like, oh, part of it is about personal experience, but a lot of it is about this universal shared thing, which I'll get into oh, in a minute. interesting. So Jung suggested that horror films tapped into the primordial archetypes buried deep in our collective subconscious. Mm-hmm. Images like Shadow and Mother play an important role in the horror genre. So there are two major things to like pull out in that quote. One is the theory of the collective unconscious. This article said subconscious, but it's normally referred to as collective unconscious. Mm-hmm. So collective refers to the premise that it's absolutely universal. Yeah. That it's common to all humans because it's part of the, quote, inherited structure of the brain. Right. The unconscious part is basically saying it contains memories and impulses we're not consciously aware of. Young believed that, quote, deep-seated beliefs and instincts such as spirituality, sexual behavior, and life and death instincts were courtesy of the collective unconscious. And then with the second part, archetypes. Yeah. This is a direct quote. Young believed that the collective unconscious is expressed through universal concepts called archetypes. Archetypes can be signs, symbols, or patterns of thinking and behaving that are inherited from our ancestors. According to Young, these mythological images or cultural symbols are not static or fixed. Instead, many different archetypes may overlap or combine at any given time. Additionally, archetypes have universal meanings across cultures and may show up in dreams, literature, art, or religion. Yeah, so basically because they're not static, like they're changing, there are a shit ton of archetypes. But there were four that were, like, critical to the core of his theory. Okay. So it was the self, the persona, the anima, and the shadow. Oh. I'm not going to dig too deep into those. Yeah. Um, because honestly, like, I don't know. It. This gets into, like, my personal opinions on, like, different schools of thought and <laughs> psychology. But their earlier stuff 
is just so internal yeah. and I'm more interested in behaviorists that talk about like the way we externalize and what you can see from like, anyway, I'm getting into a thing. Uh, <laughs> there are also archetypes like the mother, the hero, the child, etc. And he really loved focusing on the archetype of the mother. He also talked about how a bunch of different like non-human things can stand in for the mother, like fields and houses and stuff. Yeah, he really fucking loved the mother. I often feel mothered by a field. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Sweet mother. Okay. Hello, mother. Every time I walk by a field, I just go, oh, I just want to hug it. Yep. <laughs> just want to mm-hmm. hug that field. So going back to horror, uh, leaving you and your mama field behind. Right. Well, I'll miss her. So going back to horror, Young basically said that we are drawn to horror because they're built on those archetypes that we mm-hmm. all share. Like primarily the shadow and the mother. Yeah, okay. And we can dig into a psychoanalytic theory next because psychoanalysis is like a close field to um, the analytic. Mm -hmm. So the next theory is catharsis. This goes back to the ancient Greek word for purification or cleansing. And we use catharsis to explain the purging of negative emotions in order to relieve anxiety, stress, anger, or fear. Mm -hmm. This can be done through a variety of techniques. Exercising, venting to a friend, creating art, listening to music. Crying uh, in a field that reminds mm. of your mom. Oh, yeah. That's like top three always. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, some say that we relieve our intense pent-up aggression by watching horror movies. Like we view scary or violent films in order to vent or purge those negative tensions within. Okay. Some people say that it's also why people like violent video games, that it like gets out your aggression. Yeah. People disagree on catharsis theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to dig into here uh, because some folks are like, no, do, be, doing aggressive things does not get out any aggressive behaviors. It just, like, trains you in these ways. Like, there are huge fucking disagreements in this field. Suffice to say, like, basically every other psych theory, people have qualms. Okay. Now there's kind of an extension of catharsis theory, excitation transfer theory. Okay. ETT is, quote, the theory that emotional responses can be intensified by arousal from other stimuli not directly related to the stimulus that originally provoked the response. Whew. According to this theory, when a person becomes aroused physiologically, there is a subsequent period of time when the person will experience a state of residual arousal yet to yet be unaware of it. If additional stimuli are encountered during this time, the individual may mistakenly ascribe his or her residual response from the previous stimuli to those successive stimuli. So like most psych theories, it's filled with jargon. Yeah. Most people are not going to read that and understand because <laughs> I was like, pointlessly mm-hmm, complicated. Mm-hmm. I know so, some of these words. <laughs> I get so mad when everything is like, I'm going to give you all the fancy words. Basically, if we apply this theory to horror films, you basically say, like, the fear and tension we feel while watching horror movies actually intensifies the positive feelings when, if the good team wins the end. Because you're, like, in this heightened state of arousal from the tension. Yeah. And then when something good happens, you attribute that, like, state of arousal to... to Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I remember on this psych test I had, we had to give like an example of ETT if you were at like a theme park mm-hmm. and we had to come up with a unique example. But all I could think about was the example from the book and I could not think <gasps> oh, of no! a new example. And I got points taken off because the professor was like, I said unique example. And I was like, I'm not unique. <laughs> Bullshit. But anyway, I'm unique. I don't have trauma from college. <laughs> so... Mm. Uh, there's not okay so there are a lot of problems with this theory because not all horror movies have a triumphant hero arguably a lot of them don't yeah and there have been some studies that don't really support ett so it's not a super strong theory but it's interesting to say still interesting yeah 
There's also a theory that folks who scored high in the sensation-seeking scale Mm -hmm. tend to enjoy things like roller coasters, bungee jumping, and horror films. But the correlation isn't always significant. So, Mm -hmm. like, there's actually an equation that you have to use to determine if an outcome is statistically significant. I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) Why would I? (laughs) Suffice it to say, you can say that, like, results are meaningful. But if you want to say the word significant, it has to be statistically significant in order to say that. Yeah. So if you're like reading results and it's like, oh, results showed this, you have to ask if it's statistically significant. Otherwise, it could just be like error or like the results of randomization showing a sign, but it's not a strong enough correlation or strong enough like connection to actually say that it's there. Okay. I'm remembering stats now. Okay. (laughs) I was like, I'm doing great. (laughs) Never thought of stat in my life. It was it was a fun class, actually. But sensation seeking is just one trait. It is literally just, like, one subset of, like, your entire, like, being. So when you narrow your focus so much, you're not going to get a clear picture. You're not thinking about all the other factors of play. So that's why that one's not, like, a super supported theory, but it's an interesting one. There are other theories in the article that I read, but a lot of them are even weaker than this one. Or they subscribe to the gender binary, and any psych study that doesn't engage with gender as a social construct is not compelling to me. So I'm not going to talk about them. (laughs) Good anyway, point, good point. so I want to move on to a different facet of watching horror movies, how they affect us beyond that basic idea of tension and release. Yeah. We've talked about it briefly before, but there are theories and studies that explore using horror films to manage anxiety. It may seem counterintuitive to watch mm-hmm. something stressful to alleviate stress, totally but there's does, like though. a cool idea here. So according to Colton Scribner, a PhD candidate in the Department of Comparative Human Development at the University of Chicago, horror films can teach coping skills. So this is a direct quote. I think people who watch them a lot are learning how to deal with uncertainty and suspense and anxiety. And Scrivener co-authored a study that showed, quote, horror fans are more resilient and less psychologically distressed than non-horror fans in the face of today's COVID-19 pandemic, likely because of their well-honed coping skills. We think what's going on is that horror films are essentially building a toolkit for how to deal with feeling anxious or afraid, because it's exactly what you do when you're watching a horror movie. You regulate your emotions such that, nope, (laughs) you regulate your emotions such that you're in a sweet spot for feeling afraid, but also having fun. The name of that article is Pandemic Practice, Horror Fans and Morbidly Curious Individuals Are More Psychologically Resilient During the COVID-19 Pandemic. Yeah. And it was, we have a win. Take that. (laughs) I am not psychologically sound. (laughs) (laughs) I am not thriving. Uh, So that was published late 2020. And I don't have that sweet, sweet grad student access to scholarly articles anymore. (laughs) But I have friends that do. So I'm going to reach out to them so that I can get the PDFs because it was part of like a special issue where it was all about personality traits and the pandemic. That's really interesting. I mean, it's true though. Like, I know it sounds like you said, counterintuitive, but when I'm anxious and, like, feeling, I don't know, just anxious. Anyone who has anxiety knows mm-hmm. that, yeah. like, you can't necessarily describe it as much as it just happens and you're like, oh, I feel it. Yep. I will often watch a horror movie, even mm-hmm. one that I, like, just haven't seen and I'm just like, whatever, I'll just pop it on. And I don't know. It just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. One of my friends asked me so many times, like, you have nightmares constantly. Why do you watch horror movies? And I was like, because I will have nightmares regardless of whether I watch horror movies or not. Yeah. At least I can kind of choose what they might be about by watching yeah. a horror movie. Plus, I enjoy them. So, you know. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. Yeah, they just like, 
I don't want to say soothe me because they don't soothe me, mm. but they just are something that I enjoy. So like knowing that I'm going to watch something I enjoy is like, ah, oh, I'm calmed down. Mm-hmm. I like being a little scared. Yeah. And also I have like nightmares, but they're like, not like your nightmares are genuinely scary. Mm. Mine are like thrilling scary. So whenever I watch these, I'm always like, well, I'll probably have like a nice spooky dream. And then I do. <laughs> so I don't know. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> and then it- God, I can't wait to read this study. But basically part of it also explored feelings of preparedness in yeah. horror films. So like you see these awful experiences unfold and you see different ways people react. Mm-hmm. So people that watched a lot of horror movies, specifically pandemic movies, <laughs> uh, felt more prepared for a pandemic or for emergency Fair situations. Enough, yeah. So like, oh, they went upstairs and was ineffective in escaping the monster. In a similarly emergent scenario, I should not run up the stairs. Or the survivors in this zombie movie made sure they secured these core supplies to prepare for an extreme weather event or pandemic buying spree. I should manage my inventory in advance by buying these things. Boom. Obviously, not all scenarios will map onto the real world. But you can draw parallels to at least feel like you're more prepared, even if not you, even if not you are. (laughs) Even if you are not actually prepared. (laughs) If we are ever stuck in some sort of haunted, like, decrepit mansion... Mm -hmm. I'm good. Like, don't even worry. If there are ghosts, I got this. I believe in it. Those are my favorite horror movies. They're ghosts. And I'm like, not even worried about it. Crimson Peak? Bring it on. Like, whatever. As soon as I saw that ghost, I'd be like, did he murder you? Okay, fair enough. Let's do this. I'm here to listen. Set time (laughs) to Always want to listen to the ghosts. Yeah. If they're being dicks, well, that's on them. That's on them. So. There is, uh a podcast I was listening to the other day and one of the hosts said like I firmly believe that ghosts can't hurt us because of the existence of white people still because <laughs> 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 like of Damn all of it. the atrocities oh my God. that white people have done that is so true though yeah. if ghosts could kill us oh we'd all be so dead yeah <laughs> And so that was like one of the most reassuring ah. things because I was like, oh, ghosts can't hurt us. <laughs> I'm going to die. That's so true. <laughs> oh, man. They're just, oh, they're doing the best they can. <laughs> now I'm rooting for the ghost. I am rooting I'm for like, the ghosts. <laughs> do it. Anyway, God. that's my final installment on why we watch horror. That was good. Thanks. It was worth the wait. I'm glad. Oh, I... I love horror movies. I do too. I don't know what it is about them that, I don't know. I just like them. I like feeling a little scared, you know? Yeah. It's fun. So many people talk about, like, it gives you that rush while still knowing that you're safe. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Like, like it's not, yeah, like, obviously I don't want to be in danger. I just want to watch movies and get a little thrill and then be like, now I'm going to go sleep. Like, (laughs) I'm okay. Now I'm going to go watch the track guys around me. Oh, got it. Yeah, I just want to watch my stupid YouTube, okay? I've been watching Taskmaster. It's great. Taskmaster. Much like horror movies, it calms my anxiety. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, Awesome. So now it's time for the horror. The horror. Which, (laughs) I took some notes. Um... I tried to take, like, I took, like, okay, so for this one, I did something slightly different with my mm-hmm. notes, which Ooh. is going to be a mess, because I did bullet points, mm. but when you have ADHD, sometimes your bullet points don't make sense to you later. 
Let me just read some of these notes that I took, okay? I'm just going to go down the row, and you can tell me uh, where the fuck you think I'm at in this movie. I'm excited. <clears throat> the dad sounds like Batman. I don't understand how this ties in. Zero to 100, pretty much instantly. Classic scary well. I know where that one's Classic in. Classic scary yeah. well. Yeah, that's scary well. Wow. Okay, I wrote well, and then I went, guess I didn't finish that sentence. <laughs> Classic scary, well done. Uh... Uh, I there's some also. Oh, your soul! Come on, come that on, man! That line was so bad. I'm glad that these are making more sense than I thought. Yeah. Oh, I wrote. Of course, they just got a tie in the nun, like some weird '90s holographic photo. Yeah, Volok in the corner <laughs> of that so Sister Charlotte picture. I hated that. Is nobody hearing this chair? Yep. I, I would have like, just That's a lot of shit. I would have just. What did I write? <laughs> I wrote, I would have just bunched myself, launched myself. <laughs> I thought I wrote bunched myself. <laughs> I, I sure would have bunched myself real good. <laughs> I was like, Nikki, what is bunched? Why are you going to do it? Uh, one of my other notes was just, <laughs> um, really? With that raggedy Ann? <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote, that priest's got jokes. So like, we'll figure what these, let's figure out what these mean. <laughs> Here we go. Let's start at the beginning. That dad does sound like Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember now why I wrote this is because at one point he's just like, hello. Like He's just so gruff and reserved so gruff. where he's like, if I speak loud enough, then something bad will happen. So he's just very like reserved. Yeah. Like he's so, but his voice was just so deep. Just like Batman. <laughs> so that was great. Um, I said it went zero to a hundred pretty much instantly because... It does start with their daughter's death, correct? Yes, there's a lot of lead up to it where it's like really cute, like leaving notes around the right. house because like he's building the doll and then right. she's like, find me, wah, wah, wah. Okay, which is why I was like, and then they yeah. go to church and then their car breaks down and then she waits until the car is near and then runs into the yeah, road to that, get the I love that the yeah. thing like rolls in the road and she looks at it for a second and just goes, not get it. And I was like, what? You saw the car. The mom even said, oh, there's a car coming. And the daughter went, I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to haunt the house. So I got this. So yeah, it's just zero to hundred. They were just like, oh, tickle fight. And the daughter was like, not car. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yikes. Um, Ah, okay. Do you remember when I complained about the colors in Annabelle, like the first one? Mm -hmm. They fixed it. Yeah, because it was that like deserty thing, so the colors shifted. Yeah, and also he was. I mean, you know, we'll get to why this director kind of sucks, but he did say he wanted to pull from like the uh, first Conjuring movie, which the first one did this as well, mm. where like instead of being like all one like color scheme kind of thing, where like. In Conjuring 2, that movie is just blue. That is a blue as hell movie. I mean, everything is just shades of like cool tone greens and blues. And it was just like, felt very one note. And from what I'm remembering, like, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are scenes that I wasn't paying attention to, but it just felt like a very cool, like, okay, this movie is this color. Got it. Um, and then in Annabelle, it's kind of the same where it was like very muted, toned down, kind of like grays, blues, greens again. Just very like, eh, you know, whatever. This one, they just gave us so many different colors. And it was like, oh, finally. It was much kind of like, kind of like the fourth time where I said there was like no consistency. The um, the movies before this were just too much. It was too mm. consistent. 
because you can do one or the other like make your colors mean something if you're gonna have a bunch of them but if you're gonna have like no different colors it's just kind of boring it was just kind of like all right and it wasn't bad it didn't make me hate the movie or anything like the second one and Mm -hmm. annabelle they did that on their own in other ways (laughs) don't worry um rather since the color just you know like you know you know how i just i enjoy watching a movie and looking for the colors and being able to decide like oh why they did that and these besides the first one just didn't really have that yeah i didn't notice them i was just kind of like eh, they're very one note but this one was great um for lighting at least just because it had like bluer kind of moments like when she's going to the well to like throw the doll in it's very blue it's at night i mean it's it makes it like a lot spookier and because it hasn't been that color the whole time it makes it feel spooky like it gives you that vibe of like oh this is a scary moment got it but then when they're on the farm and the kids are like out in the within the barn and running around it's very warm and like you said it's that kind of like out in the desert area kind of thing um i don't know if they're in a desert but you know what i mean like (laughs) they're in a very dry area Mm -hmm. um it's so warm and those warm tones, they use them in the very beginning when they start out, like, happy, when the girls mm-hmm. are, like, exploring. And that lulls you into this, like, false sense of security because bad things still happen even in those warm colors. It's like daylight horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Like, that's something that you don't get when you do those movies in all one color like that is because, like, I know it's supposed to be like, oh, I don't know when the spooky's coming because it's all one color. But at the same time, it's kind of like... Eh, whatever. I don't know. It just bored me. But this was great because you're watching this and you're like, oh, they're having so much fun. Look at these warm colors. It's nice. But then, like, there's that moment where someone grabs her wheelchair and starts to push her to the barn. And it's, like, bright as hell out. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't give you a moment to be like, wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Something scary is happening, but it's so sunny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that. And also, they just... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm rambling now. But I haven't had things to talk about. For three movies. <laughs> it's my time to shine. Um, this is something I didn't think that I was going to miss or I didn't notice until I saw this one. In Annabelle, like the first one, the original, their set dressings were very minimal or not really important or like they felt like they didn't really have meaning, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like in their apartment. I couldn't tell you anything about their apartment. Oh, yeah. Like, I I don't, you know, there just wasn't really anything about their apartment that made me, like, feel like it was their home. And maybe that's on purpose. I don't know. They're never yeah. supposed to feel at home. But even when they were in that house, like, I still didn't really get a vibe that they, like, lived there. Yeah. It felt kind of like cookie-cutter suburb. Yes. Which, like, you can have that. But, like, if you, if you live there for a while, you're going to have stuff that makes it feel like it's a home. And... I didn't realize that that was missing until I saw this where it just had little tiny things in the background and like whoever did the set dressing just did a good job of making it feel like a genuine home that someone lives in and like it felt really homey (laughs) like I I don't I don't know why and like the the I will say the daughter's room especially was great oh yeah as soon as you walk in there's toys and like you can tell they've kept it like how it was before she died and that's another thing that room is very blue Mm. consistently which is great because you go from like such a warm home into this like sterile blue room and it was like oh yeah this room sucks like (laughs) but it i don't know the whole house just felt very homey which then you get these tiny moments of um lighting and like things in the house that just were the complete opposite 
so it like made you feel like you were homey it was this weird um what's the word i'm looking for uncanny valley ah of like oh this is a home but then when she's going up the stairs and you get this shot of her she's coming up the stairs and there's this shot where you're seeing the top of the stairs from this weird bright red glass stained glass thing that they have do you remember this Mm -mm. it's like it's like a wall that is at the top of their stairs, like a railing almost. Yes. And it has these cutouts that are bright red mm-hmm. that just do not make sense almost. And that's the uncanny valley of like, what a nice home. This is so homey. And then there's this weird dark blood red color that's like, what? But it's so small that you're like, that's a little unsettling, I guess, mm-hmm. but it's not important, I don't think. That's what the stairs were like to me, because they had that weird, I was, like, confessional backing to them. I was just about to say, the stairs yeah. also had this weird backing, and also, they curved just enough to feel not right, which I loved. Like, usually stairs like that will either curve, like, a lot, and you're like, cool, curvy stairs. Or they'll have, like, distinct, like, up once, up again, like, a, a very sharp angle. These were, like, a weird half. Hmm. I don't know. They just felt weird. Yeah. It, it was weird. It was just, like, this uncanny valley of, like, this is a home, but also something's not right. And you can tell, but there are still moments where you feel so homey. I don't know. That was good. That was what I noticed yeah. about the house. Man. Now I really that, rambled, like, but. No, now that you mention it, I am, like, the home for... The couple and Annabelle. Yeah. They have names. Leah, Mia, Mia and John. Yes, there it is. It felt very like divorced from the setting where it didn't yeah. feel like the setting is haunted, but this like the only set pieces that I remember are the dolls right. and the record player. But in it, this one, I can pick out like a bunch of stuff from the house because right. it was a lived in home. It felt very lived in. Even though those girls had just got there, I don't know. They felt at home. Like it felt like. I don't know. It was very deliberate. Everything in the house felt like it was in its place for a reason. And like, they just did a good job. It felt like the house had been sleeping. So yes, that too. Because it had been stagnant for 12 years. They obviously weren't making changes to the house after their daughter died. And so they come in and he's like, oh yeah, the TV doesn't work, but the radio does. That's like a locked in time thing. And then like all these things, you can't see that they're covered in dust, but they almost certainly are. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's such a good example of, like, you can't see the dust, but, but they've done such a good job of, like, building this world for you that you know it's covered in dust. Mm-hmm. I love that. Because in the in the other Annabelle movie, I didn't even fucking know that there was a bookshelf. That moment where they're throwing books at the baby, I was like, oh, they have a bookshelf? Yeah. I didn't notice. Mm-mm. It felt so, like you said, divorced from them. It felt like you were watching a play, almost, mm. where, like, the setting, like, the background is very minimal. Mm. For a reason, because you were supposed to focus on, like, the actors. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the actors just weren't doing cool things in Annabelle. So it was kind of like, I don't want to focus on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, it just felt kind of sterile, kind of like it didn't have any life to it. Which I took for granted, clearly, until I saw this one. And then I was like, oh, man, I didn't know how much good set design and good, yeah. like, set dressing could be. Until you, like, miss it, you know? Um, a TV show that has incredible set design mm-hmm. is Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't so, seen it yet. Okay, I haven't finished it because I do this fun thing where I watch everything <laughs> oh, but the last episode. Me too! Yeah. And then a year or so later, like, Stranger Things, I'll go back and finish me it. Too. Twin Peaks, I'll go back and finish it. And sometimes I have to rewatch it so that I understand what the last one <laughs> I means. do that too. So I have not seen the last episode of right. Lovecraft Country, but um, I was listening to a podcast, you know, go figure 
where um, someone that worked in the set design like for that show yeah. said they combed through thrift stores yeah. in that area to find books that were published in that time so they could accurately fill the bookshelves with only books that would have been like existent at that See, time. that's so cool. It seems like such a minimal thing until you're looking at something and you're like, I feel like I'm there. Mm-hmm. And it just adds a whole nother level to a movie. And uh, it's just really cool. And like, I didn't even think about it until I saw, you know, what we could have had in the first one. Like, I didn't feel like they cared about anything in that house, which I'm not saying that people care about their stuff so much. But just like, I don't know, look at my house. Like I have a ton of stuff yeah. that just like is nostalgic for me. So I keep it around. It feels very lived in, obviously, because it is. N- nowhere they were felt lived in in that one. Mm-mm. But man, did it in this one. Part of me wonders, like, I don't actually attribute this much um, intention to mm-hmm. them. But a kind reading of it from me would be that, like, in Annabelle, it was intentionally very sterile because they yeah. don't feel safe anywhere. She feels uprooted from this presence. Right. But I don't think that that's actually what they were well, going for. And I thought about that, too, because I was like, well, yeah, she's not supposed to feel at home. But the only reason I thought it was weird is because it didn't feel like home at their old place either. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like you never really got a sense that, like, they liked it where they were. and But then again, like you said, they were haunted. I'm going to stop talking about that movie. It's not that movie's time. They had their chance. They had their chance. Um, Throw it away. They're gone. But yeah, that was one of my biggest uh, takeaways from this one. It's just that like, oh man, I didn't know how important it was. Um, And that's similar to, I will say, another one that had this feel was, uh, what was it? Uh, Oh, It Follows, the first one movie we did. Mm. The house that she lives in. Like, you know, even though we don't see it a ton, it just felt like she lived there. Like the main character, like their friends hung out there, like they felt so comfortable. And a lot of that can also come from acting or just being comfortable mm-hmm. where you're performing. But I don't know, it just felt lived in. They had a lot of cool set pieces that were like, like we said, timeless. Because mm-hmm. you don't know what time period it's yeah. supposed to be. So they did a good job with that. I don't know. This was just a new thing for me to get yeah. like hyper fixated That's on. Super cool. Because the lighting was also great, and because the lighting was very warm and nice, it made me like look around and be like, "Cool, what's making this feel so homey?" Other than the lighting, it was the house. Uh, yeah. So I feel like I have more for horror. I'm sorry, we got off on such a, a tangent. <laughs> I love that tangent. I yeah, it's fun. Um, hold on. Oh, the the child actors were were weirdly some of them were great it was uneven it was very uneven i will say it was kind of a bummer because the the nun was also a little weird charlotte yeah charlotte was she was very stiff maybe that was it and maybe it was just like a character thing but yeah when she talked to the kids it felt like she was talking at them and not with them as much but so the acting like you said was very unbalanced because there were some kids like the older girls, the two under them, they're doing they're under the blanket doing I the like Carol. She looked so real. Like in that moment, I felt like I was with her, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's scary stuff!" Like <laughs> I liked the, the older like, ones. Collaborative storytelling in that yeah. moment. I I hate those characters. They're oh yeah, they're shitty as hell. But in that moment, I was like, they're both very creative. They're building this collaborative mythology, mm-hmm. and it was really cool to watch. Yeah, it was really cool of them to like poke at each other and try to scare each other it felt so genuine because i was like oh i've done that with my friends like so i will say it was basically the main two 
two girls that were a little, a little weird, like Janice and, oh, God, what's the other one? Lee? Carol? One of the girls. What's oh, her name? Oh, shit. Hold on. Who, wait, Linda? Linda. Okay, I was like, was which group are you talking about? Janice and Linda were fake sisters. Yeah. The older like, sisters are not Kate or Tierney. Those are the middlings. <laughs> I was uh, like, what, who is this now? Uh, it was Carol and uh, Lucy? No. No? I know one of them's oh, Carol. Yeah, one of them's Carol. Okay. Nancy? Nancy. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I knew it was a yee at the end. Yeah. Um, no, the two, the two like, main, like, Janice and then her, her Linda. friend Linda. They were a little, a little stiff as well. Like, where they just, like, had moments yeah. of not being too bad. Then there were a few moments where it was that overdramatic thing that we kind of got from, uh, what, what was her name? Formiga? What's her oh, first name? Oh, Vera Formiga. Vera Formiga. We kind of got in the second conjuring, mm-hmm. but she was just like, my Bible. Like, it felt like a little bit like that mm-hmm. in some moments where she's just like, don't worry, that thing back there, that's not Janice. And she'd go, I know. I was like, oh, stop it. Listen, these kids are having like this heart to heart on a couch and they're like, oh, remember Father Massey? Oh and it's my like, God. they sound... Like, they're 80. They sound, they sound like, wise beyond their years. They and truly do. It was just, like, such an unrealistic tone of conversation yes, for children to have. Because you can have that, like, level of closeness and companionship without that type of dialogue. And you, it was so fucking fake. That was why it was so annoying, is you just saw what it could be with the other two girls that are under the, the sheet creating this world. And then you see this when they're like, remember when we went to the fridge and we would eat the chocolate? <laughs> Nothing will take those times away from us. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter what we go through. We'll always have those times, Linda. And I was they're- just like, what the fuck? You're like eight. Like, <laughs> Yeah, your brain is not even kind of done cooking yet. You don't have the fourth, like, oh the foresight to understand how you'll feel in the future that way. Like, I got so irritated. Yeah. So I don't even know if it was acting or like a director, a director like a directing choice. Like, I don't know. I wasn't there. These kids are probably very talented. Oh, yeah. And I think everybody in the movie is probably talented. It just felt weird because there were some that were really great. And some, there were also some kids that I swear were in like one scene for a second. And you were like, who, who, where have you been? Kate like, Tierney. Okay, you said those names. And I went, oh, that must be from another movie I've not seen. <laughs> I did not know they were in this movie. <laughs> Good to know. Um, okay, 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 okay. I'm getting so sidetracked. I gotta talk about horror. Mm. I thought that this one specifically had good scares. Um, I thought they had good scares because they had those sweet moments to, as like a juxtaposition, you know, a fancy word, a juxtaposition of like these nice happy moments that you kind of got in the first Conjuring with like fixing the car and the kids joking Mm -hmm. and you just got these little tiny moments of humor sprinkled without so that made the scares even more like of a punch when it did happen because you were like what we were just happy what's happening (laughs) and this one had that with like the girls being funny and just stuff like that and um even the couch heart to heart like even that is supposed to be this moment that like lulls you into false sense of security calm before the storm yes exactly so i liked the scares in this because they also weren't too in your face besides a few there were a few you know we'll get to those that were like come on but then there were a few that were really subtle and like really cool uh when she's looking in the mirror and she's explaining like how they got this haunted doll and how it all happened she's like then we started to realize it wasn't our daughter Mm -hmm. she like looks in the mirror and there's this like 
almost ba- I had to look at it twice. There's mm-hmm. this like black mass. It's like a shapeless, shadowy, creepy, inky mess. And then she turns around and it is her daughter and she's like peeking and then she runs. And I was like, ew, mm-hmm. ew, what a creepy way to realize. It didn't even do anything. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I hated that. But Ugh. then you have the like super overwrought, like, like it's like, Kate and I just did a really cool movement for each other that realized no one can see. This is not your medium. So if you've seen it, you, you know what part we're acting out. Um, there's this part where <laughs> it's it's their daughter having like a, a tea party type thing after she's already died. So they're like, oh, I used to see her. Like that's when we knew like we got her back sort of thing. Um, so she sees her after she's realized like this is not my daughter. She's having like a little tea party. You can just see her back. And then she stands up and just starts cracking and cracking her little joints and, like, and growing and getting growing, taller getting taller. And, and I'm like, oh, oh. Ugh. And then like it's like kind of stumbling towards yeah. her heels, her or, like, ankles rolling. Yeah, her feet are like kind of pointed in, and mm-hmm. then her, her she's not walking um, like well. Like she's struggling to like walk, and it is very upsetting. And you don't really see her face, Mm-mm. which is a cool thing too, because then you're like, well, I don't know what this is supposed to be, but I don't like it. Like it's very unsettling (laughs) um but yeah it was that you know other than a few moments i thought it had relatively good scares i agree with that yeah the your soul part was a little like that was a lot what do you want your soul (laughs) come on i have it in my notes and i'm like trying to find the part okay so the seeing the demon like the horns and like long fingers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, To yeah. me that's just less effective of scare than potentially like seeing and then not seeing. Exactly. Or like seeing something move. And like they keep doing it where the demon's hanging upside down from the ceiling. It doesn't do it for me. Not at all. It doesn't scare me. It's like okay maybe like inversion's good for your neck. Like I can't. Like why are you hanging? What are you doing bud? Why are you up there? They keep doing that where it's like oh yeah. it's inhuman. Oh it's like where it shouldn't be. And it's exactly. like you can do that in different ways. And to me personally I think scares are more effective when there's that like sense of um, unsureness and like questioning yourself, where that's it's like, a, did I really see it? Did yeah. that really move? Or like they look and it's slightly different than it was. Like yeah. the a scene that I really fucking loved was yeah. when the scarecrow. Oh yeah, is yeah, like yeah. flashing the headlights and stuff. And I love so that. You keep flashing back to it, and then it's not there anymore. And yeah. I was like, where is it? And it was great because uh, genuinely it took me a, a minute to even realize it was the scarecrow. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are they looking at? What is that? Oh, I was like, oh, fuck, no. And then by the time I've realized it's the scarecrow, he's gone. <laughs> Ugh. And that's what makes it so frustrating too is that like they do some of them so well, but then you get like, th- there's that moment where she's in, um, it's a dumbwaiter or like a laundry chute, mm-hmm. which you do have, we'll talk about in a minute. They have scares with that that start so early and then, like, nothing comes of it, which yeah. is very weird. Yes. Um, but she's in the dumbwaiter, the, the laundry chute thing. And then you see these two, like, very dramatic, like, yeah, demon hands. hands grab on. And they've got these long nails. And that, see, that doesn't, it's it's too monstery. Yeah. You know what would have been more effective is just if you had that inky blackness of that mm-hmm. creepy demon you had in the mirror, but looked like normal fingers. Because then it's like... The, not normal, but like traditional, like not a monster's hand, uh-huh. but just like a human hand. Yeah. Then it's more upsetting because you're like, it's kind of a human. But yeah. Something's not quite. Or it's like this perversion of humanity yes. instead of just like straight up a monster. Yeah. Like there's something about that that's way scarier. 
which is why that moment in the mirror is so scary. Because if you look close, it still has like a human shape, but it's just, it's just, it looks like you could see through it. Like it looks mm. like a void. Yeah. Like a black hole almost. Like you're looking through it and it's just so inky and scary. And, but then they just, all of a sudden it's a monster. And I was like, what, when, where did that come from? Like. <laughs> and then she fucking like slams its hands. And I was like, see, even demon fingies could be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you get a fingy smashed. That's it. If I was a demon and someone smushed my little fingies, I'd be I'm like, going I'm out. Home. I'm like, I don't, you guys don't even want no, me. Can you pick me up? <laughs> When the fingies again? Yeah, mom, it was the fingies. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, yeah, and like I don't know. And also, this movie, I, I did really like the scares, and I love the colors. So, like, out of the ones that we've watched, besides the first one, I did enjoy the scares the most, mm-hmm. which was nice. Like, it was just a nice thing to be like, okay, we're back to at least some some good ones, even though it had the shitty ones. Um, what, it had something that made me, like, annoyed. What was it? I don't know. There was a lot. Oh, oh, I didn't understand the haunting itself. Okay. So I didn't understand. One, it picked the girl, like, we'll get into this and why it's Mm. shitty. I picked this one certain girl, but then they're all, like, it's, like, taunting all the other ones. Like, mm-hmm. it's a scarecrow. Oh, mm-hmm. it's Annabelle. Now it's the doll. Now it's a demon. I didn't understand what it wanted. If it if it wanted to kill one of the girls, it just feels like it could have easily done it. Did they have to have the girl possessed do it? Like, what was the deal here? My thought is that it wanted a way out with a body. So it took possession of Janice yeah. after the really shitty scene in the barn. Right. And... It also needs to get rid of witnesses that could be aware of the right. fact that Janice is no longer actually Janice. So to me, it would be like, okay, I took this body. Now I need to get rid of the witnesses. But also, it just relishes an evil. That too. Okay. Because I was so confused. Because like, if it wanted to escape, Linda was the only one that was like believing that she wasn't herself. All she had to do was just act like not a demon for a little bit. Yeah. But then, like you said, it just wanted evil, yeah. so it, like, killed things. So I, I, I kind of get it. It, it just, wants their pain. Yeah. It was so all over the place that at first I was just like, I don't... What's your end game, bud? Like, <laughs> what do you want? And it was in so many places at once that I was like, what? How do you do this? What? <laughs> so, I got a little confused. That's valid. But... I thought you said that's Valak. I, I was like, thought Don't. I did too. I was like, did I say the right word? Yep. I was like, oh, we're pulling the goddamn nun into this. Uh, it doesn't even tie in. It doesn't. There was no reason to put the nun in this. For anyone wondering, I hate the nun. And there's a moment where they reference it. And it doesn't even tie into this movie. <laughs> I'm going to flip my new table. Just <laughs> This long, long table. It's fine. <sighs> oh, also I did like that. Um, We talked about this in the second one, maybe. The, like the uh, second conjuring where it's like really loud and it felt like maybe it was like a nightmare realm type yeah. thing or even annabelle where she's like running up and down it had to be that yeah. when this moment she's on the chair and she's screaming and the darkness is enveloping the hall because there's that moment where she mm-hmm. runs out of the annabelle's room yeah and the hall looks like it extends yes and to me that's the moment where it's yes. like she is no longer in exactly the can help her it's like did she ever leave the room really so that was really cool because she's up. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, there's like a chair that is meant to like help chair you lift. go. Chairlift, yeah. Um, and so she's on it, and like you know, it's not moving, and 
but then it does and it's really loud and they're in this like old 50s farmhouse so you're kind of like okay come on <laughs> like so it had to have been this like nightmarish realm mm-hmm. and i noticed in that too you get like really exaggerated colors in those things that i talked about earlier yeah. like those reds and the glass is really mm-hmm. really saturated that was cool so i liked that um i'm trying to go through my notes Oh, in that nightmare realm. This is where the launched myself down the stairs came from. I would have bunched myself. I would have just been like, I'm done. And I would have just thrown myself out of this chair. Like if I saw a demon at the top of the stairs, I would not have been like, guess I'm in this chair. I'd have been like, I'll fix my legs later. And I would have just launched myself. Uh, Oh, oh, this part creeped me the crap out. When the boot falls. And then you wait. And And you you wait. wait, And then she falls. And it's not even her face. It was the grim as shit. Oh, it creeped me out. Because it looked like a dead body dropping. Like it it, looked like she was dead before she hit the ground and was being disposed of. And also they just made you wait for so long. They made you wait for so long. To me, that was a really grim scare. Grim, grim scare. And it got me. It did, yeah. Because like that boot falls and it's just like, what? A boot? And And they give you way too long to think about it. That's how scares are great. Yeah. They either give you no time to think, so it scares you, or they give you too much time to be like, Oh, I guess it's just the b- boom. And you're yeah. like, ah, no. So I was like, oh, I guess all that was left of her was a boot. And they right? wondered, oh. And you're like, no, she's here. Oh, God. <laughs> she's entered the scene. Oh, God. Um, they also did a really nice job of showing you like, the sprawling landscape of where mm-hmm. this like farm is. Because there's no one around to help them. And if they are, they're too far to get there in time. Yeah. So it was it was cool that they didn't really say that. They never explicitly say like, we're so far from town if, you know, no one will hear you. They just show you these like sprawling shots of like how there's nothing around. Mm -hmm. And it really just like drives it home of like, boy, they are far, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Um, I said the mom is full on fans for the opera. Yeah. (laughs) The mother has a scar in her face and she does wear half a doll's face Mm -hmm. because why not? (laughs) Why not? Why not give her a doll face, you know? And she <gasps> sure does monologues. <laughs> I That's one of my least favorite things. I talked about it with the, like, Mr. Monologue trope thing. Yeah. When it, they, like, reach this climactic point and, like, you need oh, answers God. and you need them now. And right. so the character in the middle of all this is like, let me take you back 12 years ago. Yeah. And they, like, just recount everything that happened. And it's like, I just... Folded in better. I hate when a character monologues to explain the haunting. So long. And then she like removes her half doll face and she's like, it tried to take my soul, but I was saved. And I'm just, I'm just like, okay, what? Like, if it was so easy to trap this demon in a closet with some Bible verses, why don't you just throw it back in there? Who's, who, just throw her in there, which they do. At the end, they're just like, sorry. And they throw her in the closet. She burrows out like a little rat. <laughs> mm. Mm. I in my notes. <sighs> what do I have? I was. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh yeah. So I like when you first open the closet yeah. to see Annabelle, you see like all these pages on right. the inside, and it's like that does not look like the decoration of a child, right? And then later you understand why those are all. It's all right. pages from the Bible, right. and uh, the dad like, put them in there to, like, help trap the evil spirit. Like, use the word of God to keep it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, the one, like, page that I clocked was Lamentations. It's like, ah, the sad book. I know this one. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, like, papered with the sad book. (laughs) He papered him with the sad book. (laughs) Classic move. Um, Yeah, I... (laughs) 
I, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, another scare that like really got me while we're talking about them. Oh, I have two scares that got me. I, I have, I'm saving. I'm not going to say it yet. Okay. I do have a favorite, but mm. this is one of the ones that I just really liked mm-hmm. is um when Janice is possessed at this point and she says something. I think she's just singing and she backs away into the dark. And like all you, and she backs away, and slowly all you can see is like her eyes start to glow the further back into the dark she gets. And then all of a sudden, almost just like really smoothly, they go from being like her height to really tall Mm -hmm. and bright red. But they do it in such a seamless transition that like it doesn't feel unnatural, even though it is. You know, it's almost like you were like, of course she's that tall. Of course her eyes are red. Ooh, that part was great. Like the armchair scene in The Conjuring yeah, where it's like out of focus and it Mm -hmm. shifts. It's like you don't know when it happened. Yeah. You know that. And it's same with the the girl turning in from the child to the tall, like full size, full size adult Annabelle in in first Annabelle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's this like moment of like, I don't know when it happened, but I knew, I know it did. And it's very unsettling. Mm Mm-hmm. The moment I watched this like several times because I was writing my notes on one screen and watching mm-hmm. on the other and I like heard a jump scare and I was like, wait, I didn't get to see it. And so I like wound it back and then watched it like three times. So yeah. I don't know how effective it would have been if I hadn't had it spoiled accidentally by myself. Right. But it's when um, Linda is underneath the stairs and like the confessional stairs or whatever. Yeah, this happened to me too. she sees Annabelle like, it. in like a chair or whatever. Yeah. And then you look in the darkness behind and two like glowing eyes slowly start to appear. Stay, stay. And then the doll's like yeeted back. <laughs> oh God. It yoinked, was so I good. think is the common parlance for yoinked. that. Annabelle's yoinked. void. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you gotta yoink a doll out of the void. Sometimes you do indeed. Oh God. Yeah. And I even wrote, I said better scares, uh, weird acting, a little bit of weird pacing. Oh, the pacing was, I felt very strange and uneven. If and, you, yeah. Because in the beginning, you get, like, moments where the, the, what's her name, Maria? No. The nun. Charlotte. Charlotte, thank you. Charlotte is is getting, like, weird moments of, like, the haunting, sort of. Mm-hmm. Like, her Bible flips open and not in, like, a wind hit it sort of way. Like, straight up looks like someone's turning the pages. And then her room has that dumb waiter that we talked about, mm-hmm. the laundry chute. Um, and it, like, opens and closes and opens. And she is just like, oh, well. <laughs> she doesn't seem, she never mentions it. It never comes up. It's not part of it. But, like, it's clearly weird. Yeah. So I feel like that I agree with you that it's weird because, yeah. like, typically it'll target one person first and no one will believe them right, until like it escalates to a point. Or it'll target everyone mm-hmm. in little things peppered throughout. And so everyone exactly. gets a very small taste. Yeah. And that's how they can believe each other. But with this, it got Charlotte and then it got um, Janice. But it didn't get the rest of them until no. much later. And so to me it was like, okay, well – this feels uneven and it doesn't really follow. <laughs> yeah, which is why the pacing felt so weird because it's like all of a sudden they give Charlotte this like little moment of a haunting, but then nothing happens for like a while. And then Janice is just right away. Like she is like, she experiences some scary shit. Mm-hmm. And then the other girls don't really experience anything, but you never, you never go through this like weird moment of like, oh, we don't believe you. We don't, you, you only get that really between Janice and Charlotte briefly but it's not talked about too much until shit's already hit the fan. Yeah. So the pacing was just a little odd just because you're like, what? Okay, well, now they don't believe her. Oh, but it's happening. Oh, and they're gone. Okay. So it just like zero to 100. Like I said, it was like zero to 100 and then back to zero for just a while. And then over. (laughs) Yeah. 
the like laundry shoot on waiter scene just yeah. felt like a very awkward stretch because it didn't feel like it like held the tension no, very well. No. And that was a moment where I was like, and again, I am an elevator baby. Where it's like, just I would stay just between there. floors, wait it out. I, I gotta be that elevator baby. This is another one that like, join the Patreon, I'll do it. This is another one that I, I would love to just take all the moments that are great and just edit it in a different way. To keep it. Like, I'm, I want to mm. keep the movie, but I just like, want to make it better i guess and i'm not saying that like i'm an amazing editor i just mean i don't know i feel like there are great parts that if they had just been in a different place Mm -hmm. it would have made it just a little more meaningful or a little more scary like so the annabelle nick creation (laughs) yes i (laughs) you join our patreon if we get to like we said two thousand we said five thousand we said five thousand okay well if we get to five thousand i'll just i'll do both yeah i'll just redo annabelle (laughs) creation and Conjuring to excuse me, sorry. Is that Discord? Yeah. <laughs> um, excuse me, Discord. Sorry, somebody really wants. I'm just really popular. People want to talk to me. People are really into my Nick Conjuring idea. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. So like, I I feel like it would have been good. My uh, will said gooder. Help me. <laughs> it would have been more, more gooder. It yes. would have been more gooder if we just. <laughs> They would have been better if they had just, like, maybe had some better pacing. And then we'll get to the qualms that, like, yeah. you know, can't really be saved at this point. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really, I think, kind of all I had. This was a this was a big, like, the pacing of this episode matches this, where I talked about so many things at different times. <laughs> and it was just all over the place. But that's how this movie was. It was all over the place. It was all over the place. So it's hard to talk about what I want to talk about. <laughs> I get it. Um, oh, and the only other thing that I have was just, they had a very random gory moment. <laughs> yeah, with the fingers. Oh, with the fingers. Oh, no. Are you talking about when the mom's split in half? Yes! Yeah. What? Yeah. What other part happened? Uh, when the dad is like holding on a crucifix oh, and his fingers are yeah. like, broken backwards. That part was like a weird supernatural, but there wasn't like blood too much really. It was no, just it wasn't blood. It was just gross. Right. So that part's like gross. But then all of a sudden the mom is just like, split her whole body's in half and she's hanging from the wall yep and i was kind of like well if you could do that the whole time like <laughs> if the demon has the power to just rip someone in half why, why are you taking you kids just... toys and leaving footprints if yeah, you could just honestly, rip them in half man this demon no consistency with this demon no consistency first i have horns now i'm a human I... Ugh, all over the place with this demon i can't uh okay do you want to do favorite scares sure okay i'll let you go i think I don't care. You go Uh, first. Okay, so my scariest moment is for sure when Janice is in Annabelle's room. Oh, no, we might have the same one. I'm excited. (laughs) (laughs) And she has, like, opened – she found the dollhouse, and she takes the sheet off of it. And she's, like, playing around the dollhouse. And then she finds the key. She opens the closet. She sees Annabelle. She's like, no thanks. She closes the door. She starts walking away. The door opens. And she's like, "Mm, again, no thanks. She shuts it. She locks it. The door opens again. Yeah. And she's like, I know how to fix this. She throws the sheet over the doll. And then she turns around and starts doing something else. The sheeted doll stands up. (gasps) We have the same scare. Dude, that got me. I hated this. It's so creepy. Because they throw, and they talk about this scare specifically, actually. I read about this. Mm -hmm. That they were like, the doll is immobile. We can't just make this doll move without making it look cheesy yeah so they were like what can we do we can hide her and make her move but you won't see her so it's like is it is it something else i hated this because you know i don't like kids in movies Mm. 
So these mm. have been hell for me. But it just, oh God, when it happens like slowly and ominously and inexplicably, that oh. just gets me. What got me even more is how fast it stood up. So it stands up kind of fast. So we're not fast, but just like it really stands up. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden just walks so slow. And the best part is that they purposefully, its feet are stepping on the sheet and pulling it down, pulling it down. And you're like, I don't want to see it. And they're like, don't worry, you won't. And there's nothing there. Yep. Oh, it's like in the first conjuring where the sheet gets captured by the wind, yes. hits a face, and then blows away. and blows away. Yes, I'm telling you, they really. I mean, this guy's a dick, but like he he wanted to capture what the first one did, he and did. he did. He did. Yep. Like this one had the scares closest to the first. Yes, it still had the cheesy ones that you got in like Annabelle. It still had cheesy ones that you kind of got in the second one, but and it had the cheesy acting from the second one too mm. a little bit, but. But it did have those moments of very tense, followed by like, okay, wait, it's gone. Like it followed by moments of joy that like take you out of it mm-hmm. for a second and then they put you right back in. So I'll I'll say that. Out of the ones we've seen, this one has scared me more than the yeah. other ones. Besides the mm-hmm. first one, I put that one on its own. Yeah. Like it truly does not feel like part of this. Even though it started it, it doesn't even feel like it's part of this universe. Yeah. I almost would not count it as one of these movies because it's so much better it's just so much better yeah i had so few qualms with it i really did just like it so all right that i mean that's horror i think i think we kind of got all of it this one's all over the place it's been a rough day everybody we're tired (laughs) we had a lot of technical issues before this so we're Hmm. and it's getting really dark in my apartment for some reason lights on i don't know i don't want to turn them on it's it's, it's, it's nice it's the vibe it's the vibe yeah who needs to be able to read things? All right. So I think it's time for, do you want to do qualms and then tropes? Yeah. Let's do qualms. Okay. So I have two qualms. One is super minor and then the other one I need to get more into. Yes. So the first one is just the casting. Yeah. Because like, I don't know how contracts work or casting works. <laughs> right. But I personally am distracted by the inconsistency and in the actress who plays Annabelle Higgins from one movie to the next. Okay. So you see Annabelle as an adult and as a child. Yeah. In Annabelle. Right. But then it's a different actress for both of those. The child is like this, you know, Janice. It becomes Annabelle. And then I think this uh, actress and stunt woman plays adult Annabelle. Annabelle, yeah. At the end of It uh, is a different woman. It's a different woman. I knew when I, because like at the end, you see the moment from Annabelle. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I knew yeah. she looked different. It just distracts me a lot because it's like yeah. the different actresses. And so I thought that it was really effectively woven mm-hmm. into the end because you see like that clear connection between right. the stories where it's like... And then you even see a part That of you like, didn't see. So, yeah. oh, okay. I actually really liked this part where basically, you know, in the in Annabelle, mm-hmm. you see everything that's happening in the other house through their window. Right. You're a house away. You're seeing it through a window, through a window into someone else's home. Right, exactly. In this version, you see through both windows. You are in that home, in that room. So you see what was off camera. Exactly. And I thought that was really effective. Super cool, yeah. And then it links directly back in, takes the shots from Annabelle. I thought that was cool. That is cool. But the actresses were different. Yeah, I guess. See, like, I knew they were different just because, like, they really don't look similar. But, yeah, I... I didn't realize how different. I didn't even know that. I didn't know the child was. Well, I guess I did because it's Janice. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if we even saw the child. But I guess we did. Mm-hmm. That part where she's, that's supposed to be her, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Okay. Yeah. Ugh. Spooky. Yeah. The, not spooky. But um, <laughs> spooky. They couldn't get that same actress. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that, yeah. 
I can understand why that'd be like frustrating because it's just like, what? No, <laughs> it doesn't help that we also just watched them. Yeah. Like if it had been further apart, maybe we'd be like, oh, I didn't even notice. But because we just saw him, it's like, that's a different, you can't trick me. You can't trick me. Okay, let's get into the big qualm. Yeah, so the big qualm. Uh, I want to preface this with like, this is not an area that I am especially well read in. Yeah. I know some basics. We're going to get into like disability politics. Yeah. Because the way that Janice's character was treated and used, I think is problematic. Yeah. But when I was watching this, I was like, this feels problematic. And so I wanted to do more research mm-hmm. because I was like, it might just be me reading too much into it, or it might be me picking up on something, right. but I don't have the language to explain it. Yeah. And, like, I know basics of some disability studies where, like, the pushback against, like, person first and moving to identity first yeah. terminology. Um, because, like, you know, there were so many people that um, are like, okay, well, it's not an autistic person. It's a person with autism. Right. person with autism is person first. Whereas autistic person identity first. But right. a lot of disability activists are saying, no, we need to foreground how society is disabling. Mm-hmm. And so I want to like proudly claim my identity in a way that's not like inspiration porn. Right. So from what I've read, a lot of disability activists are like, no, I want identity first. And again, that's going to be one of those things where like it depends on the person. Right. And like, you should just always defer to what they prefer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I... I'm afraid that I know enough of disability politics to like be dangerous, but not actually be accurate. <laughs> and so that's why I uh, just pulled from sources. Yeah, I yeah. Googled it and I was like, I want to read from like writers with disabilities or disabled writers, however they prefer that nomenclature for themselves. Um, I wanted to read their perspectives. Yeah. And I also have a semi-correction for myself from a previous episode. <laughs> so when we we're talking about XX, remember the man on the train? Oh, yeah. I said facial difference. Um, so it was because there was an article I read um, about Wonder Woman. And it's called, As a Woman with a Facial Disfigurement, This Wonder Woman Villain Pisses Me Off by Ariel Henley. Yeah. And my semi-correction is that the article uses both the term facial difference and facial disfigurement. And I don't know if there's a difference between those phrases. Hmm. So I don't know if what I said was incorrect. But right. if it was, I am sorry. <laughs> yeah. And the I reread the article to see if Ariel talks through the uses of those terms, but I didn't see a difference. But I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like one of those differently abled, like, yeah, yeah. bullshit things. Um, anyway, so I read an article um, about... Annabelle and that article cited two articles about Wonder Woman because the one of the villains in Wonder Woman um, has a facial disfigurement from like a traumatic event or something and she is like seen as evil with a disfigurement and so like that's a common trope in movies is that like um, difference from society is bad and like being disfigured in any way makes you evil or like a person that is evil so it's like the way that we uh, have (laughs) racial archetypes that are really problematic right. so like that's kind of like where it gets into disability politics so while it's not necessarily talking about annabelle in this case there is an article by elena leary in teen vogue titled disfigured villains like wonder woman's dr poison perpetuate stigma and it has the following point this is a direct quote when we pigeonhole disabled characters into basic roles that are easily defined such as sympathetic and pitiable or villainous and evil, we're reinforcing the idea that disabled people don't live full, meaningful lives the same way non-disabled people do. We need more media that offers a diverse perspective on disability and facial disfigurement, and it doesn't just boil our vast experiences down to a plot point. So when I was watching this, I just kept thinking, like, 
she is being preyed upon because she is physically seen as weaker yeah. than the others because she cannot run down the stairs because she uses the chairlift. She is further injured so that she's in a wheelchair yeah so that she is easier to prey upon and so it felt like to me that the authors did not have like a nuanced take on disability or an understanding of disability politics it felt like to me they were like look at this poor girl who has a knee brace and like uses a crutch and like her life changed and now she can't do things and now a demon's gonna get her and something. it also just like i see I know even less than you do about it. So, like, I picked up on some stuff, but not as much. And what bothered me about it the most is just that they didn't really give her a personality mm-hmm. outside of it. And it felt flat. really weird. It, literally everything she said just had was about just, like, don't feel sorry for me. Go do what you want. Very selfless. Very, mm-hmm. like, oh. But they never, they all, they're just like, oh, you have, this, you have the strongest faith. They never show that. No. They never show her being anything other than like this weird sacrificial lamb of like well she's weak so the demon got her and then like she has she's more than these things that's the that's what i picked up the most was just like i don't know they just like put her in this box and they were like and we're not going to give you anything else no it was just such a flat character in terms of they didn't develop her at all the way that hollywood tends to write like disabled characters is basically like they're either evil in some way or yeah. they are supposed to be an inspiration to you or they're right. supposed to be pitiable to you and those are the options like there yeah. might be a few other tropes but they don't get this like depth of character and they basically like there are articles on um disability representation there's one called disability representation and the problem with inspiration porn by Kaya brown and that's a really good one yeah i'm gonna put it in my show notes but basically it's talking about like stop saying look at this person that managed to do this despite this because it's like setting them up as like someone to pity and be like oh thank god i don't have that problem and then you like are looking down on them saying like oh it's so great that you did this good job and it's just entirely othering and reducing someone yeah and so there's a lot that i'm not saying very well (laughs) but um there was a line from the article it's called in which we are villains Mm -hmm. and it's by kelly davio and this one is on this is like the root article that i started with Mm -hmm. and um she says she's kind of explaining like a young girl who uses a crutch and a leg brace after having polio is singled out among a household of other girls to be tormented by a demonic entity the devil thing amongst other fun feats chucks our protagonist down a set of stairs once the demon succeeded in injuring her and she begins to use a wheelchair to get around the godforsaken farm where she's living, the demon's free to scoot her straight into an abandoned barn in the creaking wicker chair. There, the demon invades her body, transforming her into a meat vehicle for evil and violence she later enacts on everyone who comes across her path. What did this little girl do to deserve being devoured by Satan himself? How did she become the worst kind of bloodthirsty villain the horror cinema has to offer? There were no blood packs made out in the dry and waving grass. No selling of her soul to the devil. She was just easy prey, presumably because she moves so slowly. She moved like I do. Oof. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, again, I only want to, like, reference articles by people who... Yeah. Yeah. And I need to do more research. And I'm going to put all of the articles that I referenced, all the ones that I've been reading, because when I was watching this, I was like, this doesn't feel good. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it didn't. I mean, because I, I had watched it before, too, and it just felt it just felt so strange. Like, 
I keep going back to the fact that they just like didn't give this character anything else. No. And like, I'm not saying that they fleshed out all the characters in this movie, but this was the main character. Yeah. Like, you can't just you can't just be like, well, you have to love her because you know we pity her. Yeah, that's not what. No, that's you can't do like. And we and we talked about this before, and like obviously you know more, but and I don't know how much we wanted to get into it, but like this isn't the first movie that this person has made oh, where like yeah. a disability has been like the main. I don't like the main like driving force of yeah, this the plot of, like point. the plot point. Yeah, and then it ends with just like a pretty bad message. Yeah. Like you uh, know it. Do you want me to get into yeah, it a little, a little bit? bit? Just so yeah. trigger warning: suicide. Um, or death by suicide. So the director of this movie also did um, Lights Out, as yeah. previously which I talked about in the beginning. Yeah, the short is is very good. Yeah. Like it's based on a short. The short's very good because it's a short. There's it's like maybe a minute, but then they made this movie and just all of a sudden made it shit. Like I was like, how short is short? Nine minutes? Nine minutes? No. One minute? Okay, like, it's very short. That's why I'm saying like okay. there's no plot in it. It's just a scare. Uh, it's very good. It was okay. like oh really really scary, okay. but then they made. yeah i'll show you it doesn't make any sense so basically in the movie like i'm not going to summarize the whole thing but it boils down to like the mom is depressed and Mm -hmm. she is taking antidepressants and there is a spirit attached to her from her childhood and because the mother is the tether in order to save her children she dies by suicide so that the ghost no longer has a tether to the world and so the director amongst criticism has said like this was not my intention that's not like the way i was trying to write it i was trying to write about it this way but a lot of people took it as yeah like the only solution to depression is suicide and that solves it for other people because people with disabilities are a burden on society yeah it's and it's hard really not to, harmful <laughs> it's really hard not to read it like that like I, I don't like he's coming oh that's not what i meant by it it's like great but like that's how people with this particular disability are reading it yeah you should just defer to them and be like, cool, like, yeah. I didn't mean to do that. Just apologize. Yeah. Just be like, cool, I fucked up. Yeah. And he like, was like, you know, I've had depression and, like, I was trying to – but intent versus impact, my man. Right. I'm like – and that sucks. Like, I I, I feel for you, but it, it doesn't, like, change the fact that, like, people are reading it this way and yeah. it's harmful. Yeah. I've never seen the movie. Like, that's why I'm, I had to have Kate, like, explain it. I was like, I've not seen this movie. I've only seen the short. And I liked the short, so I was like, oh, this movie, if it's based on the short, I didn't know how they were going to make a movie based on something so short, but I was like, sure, maybe. Garbage. What the fuck? And we'll talk about this later. I would love if we could talk about this movie compared to eventually when we do The Babadook, because The Babadook is a movie who handles mental illness quite well, I think. I think it covers grief just incredibly well. Really well, well, yeah, because, like, you know, it's great. I mean, it's, it's a very, like heavy-handed like you know what it's doing it's not like hiding from you in any way every time i watch it exactly it's not subtle it's very much like the monster it's depression Mm -hmm. you know that but they do such a good job of like really i don't know they do a good job we're not gonna get into it now but that is the biggest qualm with this movie is that like it seems like this director just has a weird thing with making his driving his plot points by disabilities that like and giving them nothing else other than that and making you just feel bad. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm not inclined to read any of the work generously because it seems right. to be part of a trend. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it even worse. Because I felt bad. Like, when you came, I was like, this was one of the ones that I actually, like, enjoyed other than that. Mm-hmm. And that, but that's just, it just sucks so yeah. bad that that drives this whole movie. I really like the scares. And, yeah. like, 
I will say, like, no matter how we rate this at the end, like, at this point, I I can't rate these movies on plot. If I have to rate these movies on plot, I'm going to keep giving them zeros, Kate, and I can't. So I'm just going to go off scares for this one. Yeah. (laughs) All right, it got too dark. It did get quite dark. I just see, like, you in the glow of your laptop. (laughs) So, yeah, if I rate these movies more than I do the other one, it's because, like, I can't keep giving them zeros. So I'm just going to rate it off of, like, the scares and everything. Yeah. but let's do tropes first because my qualms i mean they're the same as yours i mean pacing that was my qualm whatever but mostly the same ones <laughs> yeah so uh so i have like one like kind of throwaway trope and then one that i get into more yeah uh because i knew that i would be talking about qualms a lot so i was like yeah i can go lighter on tropes so the first one is decoy protagonist so it's like you think the protagonist is janice and then about probably halfway through it's like oh no she is now a demon right and she is no longer the protagonist the other ones are the protagonist yeah, and so yeah, there's yeah. that like tonal not tonal shift but there is like just this, a, like, like rug pulled out from under you moment where you're like okay so now we're rooting for someone else <laughs> right yeah you're like oh shit yeah uh let's see and then the other one is the empathy doll shot <laughs> Okay. And this is used in conjunction with the gory discretion shot. Yeah. So the empathy doll shot is like the laconic version is showing an abandoned toy to either imply that a child died here or emphasize loss of innocence. Oh my God. It's the- and so. <laughs> I already know. Yep. And I'm going to read what TV Tropes, the larger page, page said. So direct okay. quote. Whenever a movie wants to add pathos to a war or crime scene, expect a shot of an abandoned toy, usually a doll or stuffed animal. Teddy bears and bunnies seem to be the most popular, and the more worn and tattered, the better. In evacuation scenes, the toy is supposed to represent the loss of innocence a child has suffered. In scenes depicting the aftermath of a war or other disasters, the doll is supposed to be supposed to scream, kids died here, without actually having to show a child's corpse. <laughs> that said, a really gutsy director may combine the doll with a dead hand shot to show a yeah, child's oh, hand still clutching the doll. Of course you do. And when used well, it can undermine the emilianist statistic effect. So that's more to do with like war scenes. And yeah. that one we can get into when we actually cover it. Right. Because that's a lot. Uh, and it comes from a really problematic quote. Um, but the empathy doll shot in this film is when B dies, she gets hit by a car. You don't see her get hit by the car. You don't. You see her you broken know. doll. And yep. you hear her parents scream. And so it's the empathy doll. <laughs> oh, and God. there are similar moments in movies like Mulan and Titanic. Yeah. And gonna be honest i've never seen the second half of titanic but i'm reasonably <gasps> sure i know what happens so yeah. i'm not like in a hurry to watch it i don't want to spoil it for you but the titanic sinks what i know i'm sorry damn i know but yeah uh so that's the empathy doll shot that's great yeah as soon as you said it, i was like oh it's that fucking mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh and this is unrelated to tropes but i just i got real salty because I love when something is creepy because there's a reason for it to be. Yeah. Or like when something is inexplicably creepy because like it's already taken over by a darker force. But the father's like den of doll making. Why are there doll parts hanging from the ceiling? That's not effective storage. And so I was like, I saw that. I was like, well, maybe he doesn't have much space. And then I saw his whole fucking farmhouse. I was like, stop being precious about your (laughs) doll cave. There's room. And I was so annoyed. Move your dolls. Unhook oh the doll leg from the ceiling. Put it there in the drawer. There was no need. You don't need it hanging in front of you. You really don't. If you're that good of a doll maker, you know where to keep the doll pieces. Come on. That, it's fine. That just really annoyed me. <laughs> um, you know, okay, speaking of dolls, though, before I forget, one thing I did actually enjoy 
was that they actually made Annabelle scary. Well, like they saw, like I said, they softened her features. That's not what made her scary. Mm-hmm. Thank God, because she's a that's not what's supposed to make her scary. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that she moves and she's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of good moments of Annabelle just being like not where she's supposed to be. Like they made the doll scary because in the first one she doesn't do shit. The movie's called Annabelle, and like this doll, they're like, oh, the doll. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't um, move. Yeah. They don't show. It's just like okay. And you know what the scariest part that has the doll in it isn't even in the actual movie. It's a cutscene at the end of the credits. Did you see it at all? No. There's this moment at the end of, like, you know, there's like, you know, you have those two kind of credits. Yeah. You have the one where it's like shows kind of like the actors and everything. And so after that, there's this moment of like, you get some music and it's just the camera staring right at Annabelle. And she's just sitting there calmly. And it sits there for a while. And then all of a sudden you hear like the music pick up and you see just the tilt of like her head sort of move, but it cuts before you know for sure if her head actually moved. Mm-hmm. And that's when you were talking about like, did you see it? Did you not see it? It was like, oh, I can't wait to tell Kate about this cutscene Cause she like moves her head and like, you can tell she's about to look right at you, but then the camera go- cuts to black and the other credits roll. Mm. And I was like, you got me. That was good. Yeah, I love those types of cutscenes. Yeah, and I'm just glad that they used the doll. Like, I'm like, yeah. if you're going to make the movie about this haunted doll, don't even get me started on the fact that they actually gave her that Raggedy Ann doll, which is what Annabelle actually looks yeah, like, like I, the real Annabelle doll. Just use that. I thought just it was... Just use that doll! Gonna be this, like, self-aware nod, like, we know the real story, but to me, it was just, like, a needle where I was like, no, you know your sins and you're mocking us. I was pissed. I wrote, really, with that Raggedy Ann? Like... You know what you're doing. Just use... They could have just used this Raggedy Ann and it would have been way scarier in my opinion Raggedy because it's... are scary. They're scary. One. And two, like, they really make you feel like like it's for children. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I was Instead like, of adult collectors. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I meant to explain my, my note that said that priest got jokes. <laughs> At the end, he comes out and she's like, oh, the doll. And he just goes, oh, this? This is just a conduit. Like, blah, blah, blah. And then explains what it is. And then he pauses and he just goes... So who wants this? <laughs> he just looks at all the girls like, who wants this doll? And they're just like, oh. and they're all like, nobody wants a fucking doll. And then you just see him like throw it in his trunk. <laughs> I laughed so hard, but he's just like, who wants the doll? <laughs> see, I, I saw that moment. I was like, is he so out of touch? Like laughably like, oh, I'm going to come in when the danger's over and save all you young girls. <laughs> or is he actually just like funny? <laughs> I I like to think that he's genuinely okay. just funny. And he was just like, yeah, this was really traumatic. Who wants it? Yeah. Like, he's just an ass. Okay, that was oh, it. Man. That was my explanation. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. I think then it's, uh, I think it's time. We have to rate this movie, Kate. Oh, God, we have to rate it. We have to choose a rating. Yeah. I, man, I'm trying to even think, like, what was memorable enough to pull out. Ugh. Misplaced doll leg. Uh, um, so there's a moment that I didn't talk about, but it's when B is crawling toward Janice underneath the ew, barn. That fucking ew. got me. And so I'm like, B crawling quickly. And it oh, like God. freaked me the fuck out. You but know I don't like kids. I don't I don't like when people crawl. I blocked that I out. When you brought people, it back and I was like, that might be my note. Sorry, really? Computer. When people crawl quicker than they should feasibly be able I hate to. It. I hate it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't crawl. Me. Quickly crawling children. Ugh. I almost like. as bad as tank top child. It's almost as bad as tank top child. Well, to me, it's worse, but we all have our things, you know. That's true. That tank top really got me, man. Uh, there's, there's, <laughs> there's broken doll on the road. Mm. There's yep. of the opera mom. Um, mm. you know, there's, you know, 
<laughs> broken fingies. Broken demon fingies. Broken demon fingies. We gotta go broken demon fingies. Yeah. Um, did you go first or did I go first? We have been doing the like the same at the same thing. time. Yeah. Wanna try it again? Yeah. So I'm rating this is like my total scale for like okay. the plot and the scares combined. Okay. Averaged, if you will. Averaged, if you will. I'll do the same. Okay. One, two, two three. three. That's <laughs> a half. <laughs> Nikki brought up a little hook hand. <laughs> I was trying to just show you my little knuckle, yeah. but I did it the wrong way. And I just went. <laughs> I didn't mean to give you a little hook. Um, two and a half. Yeah. I went two. I gave it two because to me, I can't, like, if I'm just doing it on, like, the scares. Yeah. I'd probably give it, like, I was going to say, like, four. a three or four based on scares. But the plot to me, it's like, I would like to read more into it to make yeah. sure that I'm not just like oh this is awful right. and then the other like actual disabled folks are like no it's it's fine this is a I don't know I don't want to like speak for communities I'm not part right. of <laughs> but I found it problematic and a harmful like reduction yeah of a person so yeah that's why I give it two broken demon fingies yeah same I, I only gave it like two and a half I'm also just factoring in like the set mm. and like how that really just was so cool to me like how they just made it feel like such a home um that's where my half is coming from but the two is is same it's yeah. the scares the scares are great but that oh boy that they just reduce this character to just one thing and yeah. it's like that, oh man you can't do that that's so harmful and yeah you, it's so bad and it yeah i feel like if this movie had like a different director it probably could have been great and a different writer as well um if you had the director from the first Annabelle, who was the cinematographer for the first movie, mm-hmm. and then just, like, given us a different writer, possibly, yeah. I really think this could have been a good movie. To me, it's, like, the writer for Annabelle and Annabelle Creation was the same, right? It was Doberman? Yes. I, I'm i inclined to blame him for writing this. Like Same. Like, I... Part of me, like, I, I don't trust the director simply because of Lights Out. Like, yeah. We, like, we talked about that movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that he is, he is not free of sin in this, mm-hmm. I no, don't no, think. No, yeah. But I really do like the cinematographer yes. who was the director of Annabelle, I think. Yes. Oh, okay. Either Annabelle or the second one. I, I'm not sure. But point is, the, the cinematographer of the first Conjuring movie eventually was a director of one of them. I really do like him. I think that he's talented. And I think that, like, given a writer who knows how to write and isn't harmful yeah. in using harmful stereotypes to further the plot... I think what an unstoppable duo. Mm-hmm. Like I really think that, that that cinematographer is talented and could be a good director if he was just given a script that wasn't full of harmful stereotypes. But it's almost like we should give some power to black folks and disabled folks oh, and women and queer thunk, people. Huh? Who would have thought that maybe cishet white men writing will hurt other people? Who who would have thought? Who would have? God, just like we talked about earlier, ghosts can't hurt us because if they could, these white men would be dead. <laughs> Truly. Oh God. Oh God. Well, I guess that's it. I yeah. mean, yeah, we got like a solid four and a half. Yeah, which broken is, demon thingies. Honestly, that's. I'm thinking of my grandpa because he cut off the tip of his thumb with a circular saw. <laughs> so this is a perfect yeah. Kate's grand Kate's yeah. grandpa's hand. Yeah, of, of worth of ratings here. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. All so right. that wraps up our discussion of Annabelle Creation. If you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate. We hope. <laughs> we hope. 
<laughs> uh, or if you were angry with us at the same yeah. time. We're done with awesome. conjuring now, guys. Okay? We're done so, with the conjuring. We thought it was going to be a hoot and a half. And we, we really just, did. Well, I mean, here's the problem is that you and I both knew the first movie and loved it. So yeah. we were like, what could go wrong? Honestly, now that I've seen the Annabelle movies, I just want to, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to make an official statement. I'm bringing whatever my rating was of The Conjuring 2 up to like three or four. I'm bringing mine up, yeah. Let's bring it up because mm-hmm. you know what? Maybe it wasn't as effective, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? It wasn't harmful. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I will bump that baby up. Yup. <laughs> Oi. Oh, boy. Okay. So, yeah, we're done with The Conjuring. We just wanted to say. We're done with The Conjuring. We got we an amazing patron, patron pick. pick. It's going to be so great. I'm, I'm really excited. excited. Okay. Take it away, Kate. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So... If you had fun with us, just rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That is like the place to rate to help other people find us. It's the place to rate. And if you don't have an Apple Podcasts account or if you don't have iTunes, that was me for the longest time, you can download it and leave a message. But honestly, just whatever. You're listening. That's enough. We appreciate the fuck out of that. Uh, I was like, oh my God, can I cuss? And I was like, wait, it's my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, Kate. I can't believe I have to edit out all these fuck words. Shit, shit, fuck down. (laughs) Not fucking goddamn it. Anyway, <laughs> you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, where it just go with it on both. And every Wednesday, we'll post the movie for the week, as well as where you can where find you can it. find it. I will remember. I will remember this week. I gotta do it. Then you can check out our extended show notes on our website, justgowithitpod.com. and that's where we'll put all the memes we referenced. Where I'll put like the topics of the articles, corner, yeah, more tropes, and then the research that I yeah. promised I would put there. <laughs> Kate does great research. Uh, I try. <laughs> And then you could also take a look at our Patreon. Uh, we have our Patreon at patreon.com slash it. And we would like to take this opportunity to thank our current patrons. <gasps> we love them very much. And they're helping Nikki live her dreams. Of I'm going to make the conjuring. And then Annabelle Nick creation. Please, It'll happen, okay? Please jump in so I can make these. The patrons that are helping Nikki live her dreams are Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, and Kayla. They're going to get to see the Nick Conjuring and the Nick creation. Uh-huh. Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> Where were indeed? you when Nikki tried to make the Conjuring movies? <laughs> Hopefully supporting me. <laughs> All right, that's it. That's it. I just love our patrons. <laughs> the intro and outro music was created by Anthony Roccozella, and the cover is by our very own Nikki Solomon. It's no Nick Conjuring, but it's pretty good. <laughs> it is pretty good. <laughs> Let's... Never watch a Conjuring movie again. Let's never watch a Conjuring movie again. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Oi. Bye. Bye. After two years, he just goes, how's your daughter? What? I went, what? He goes, your daughter, how is she? And I went, my cat? (laughs) 